Welcome to episode 7, in which ENJ Bataglia and I discuss meditation and praying and what it's like to be in something larger than yourself. I'm here today with Ian J. Battaglia, um, long-time Earthlay member and good friend of mine. Ian, what's up? Gotta throw that middle initial in there. Yeah, uh, <laughs> it's, it's in the at, so... Yeah, no. Hey, uh, I'm a writer, photographer, and multidisciplinary artist based out of Chicago. Um, you know, with a, a broad variety of uh, interests and uh, mediums. Hmm. Classic merveille polymath. You know. <laughs> what do you do? Probably a lot of things. Sometimes <laughs> visual, sometimes auditory, sometimes writing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know. I mean, that's really like the the aim is just to like expand in as many directions as possible and find where the overlap points are. Yeah. And that's really where like things are the most fruitful for me. Have you had any like notable, and I was going to talk about Merveille's and art and whatever, but like, have you had any points where you, <laughs> you know, found like a, I mean, I know what you do. I, I see mostly photography coming out of you and I know you write for um, a couple different places. Uh, yeah. Although I think short fiction has sort of fallen off for a while, but I think that happened for a lot of people. Um, mm um so do you find like a good place where you're like oh this has been a very fruitful intersection you know it's it's not so much with my output a lot of my output i think follows pretty traditional lines it's really more in terms of like um my thinking and and the different processes that i engage you know just i'll have um I go through like honeymoon phases where I get super, super invested in a topic and um, I'll learn like all the beginner level info for something. And then, you know, you just start to see that everywhere. And um, that helps a lot, especially in like reading and, and writing um, fiction and stories at large, just, you know, the, the different pools you can draw from. But um, you know, I think my like interest in meditation and mindfulness have, has really benefited my photography practice. And I think my photography practice has really benefited um, my writing practice in, in terms of um, looking for very specific moments and hitting beats like that. So, you know, there's, th there's ways they cross over, but it's... Um, more so on a, a broad scale rather than like nitty gritty, um, you know, like, oh, my writing incorporates a lot of photography or something, you know, very uh, foundational like that. Mm. Yeah, I mean, I think that's the place where it overlaps best is I don't think just like an interject or yeah, like an interjection of that media into mm. You know, like, hey, I have a piece, and it's got a, it, it circles around a bunch of photographs that I'm right. writing as like a photo journal, but rather some sort of fundamental 
practice that you learned when taking photographs or how to think about light or how to capture a moment that becomes right. um, a sort of guiding principle for, well, can I write a paragraph in the same way that I think about composing a shot or can I write a page or a short chapter that, you know, you know, reflects something that I think about as well when I do another piece of artwork. And that's probably where more benefits lie. Yeah. Yeah, totally. I mean, um, it's funny because I'm, I'm just thinking about it now, but it, uh, sort of the same ideas manifest differently across different mediums. Like, um, you know, when I think about my writing in terms of how photography has influenced it, um, I think a lot about how about like a frame or a moment or, you know, a very specific concrete enclosed sort of um, beat that's designed to evoke a specific emotion in a reader. Um, but when I'm actually out shooting photography, you know, of course I'm looking for frames, but the sort of things I'm looking for really are like even more abstract than that. Like, light or like a flash of um, an emotion across somebody's face or like a scene at large, you know, in, in terms of like street photography, like um, something interesting happening or, um, you, you know, I mean, that's all photography is, is just like the reflection of light being captured on some sort of durable medium, right? Mm -hmm. So, you know, I'm, I'm, always just looking for light and the best way to frame that and you know sort of good photos come out of that you know so um it, it's almost a more abstract way of thinking about it than um in practice than when i'm just thinking about it at large right so almost like almost like there's a bit of a mismatch between how you think about thinking about photography when you're doing writing versus how you think about photography right. when you're doing photography. Right. That's exactly it. Yeah. Um, actually just, you mentioned earlier like meditation and, um, and mindfulness. And I know, mm. um, I sort of, well, maybe mindfulness is, is proliferating amongst certain creative types as well in other ways. Um, yeah. But I think I, I sort of stumbled into a bit of a contingent of uh, Buddhists of, I don't know which schools of thought, since I'm not really uh, an expert into Buddhism myself, but um, mm. somehow they sort of tack along in some of the different spheres, or maybe they have overlapped themselves in some of the other spheres I'm poking around on Twitter. And, yeah. Um, and so meditation has sort of been thrown back up on the cards uh, in terms of the type of stuff that I'm reading uh, sometimes on the timeline. And mm. I don't know how much you've, you've maybe been engaged with this over like the recent period, whether maybe you've found yourself engaging with it a lot more or sort of put it on the back burner while a new interest crops up like your, your new honeymoon period. Um, I was maybe thinking for like uh, for meditation specifically um, if that like maybe if you find that influencing I guess not just your artwork but perhaps 
perhaps something about larger, which I can come back to, but maybe just the initial question is like, do, do you find that influencing your artwork? Yeah, totally. Um, it, it's just been super influential on me um, in general, just, you know, not only in the way I work and the work I produce and the way I, um, inter you know, engage with other people's work, but um, just the way I view the world and, you know, um, Do you have sort some of perhaps with... like concrete examples yeah. of that? In terms of like yeah, engaging I... with others' work, what, what sort of, what moment of meditation or whatever has, has, have you find yourself engaging with someone else's work and being like, yeah. oh yeah, this, I, this clearly stems from. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I want to um, preface by saying that I'm like absolutely a novice, you know, if this is just like something I, I personally practice, um, I wouldn't even necessarily consider myself like a, a hard and fast Buddhist. Like I've, I've read Buddhist scriptures and, um, uh, interacted a bit with a local Zen Buddhist chapter, um, but more where I'm coming from is more just like a personal meditation practice um, guided by like the mind illuminated and like a handful of other texts um, that I've, I've read a handful of books, but you know, I, I don't want to claim to be an expert or anything, but um, for me, um, it's really led to sort of like a heightened awareness at all times and um, almost like a stepping back from um, from where I started, you know, like um, a, almost a broader perspective. Um, it's just like um, a way to engage with the moment more directly um, while also sort of removing yourself from it somewhat. Um, that's, that sort of thought has been really helpful to me, just um, personally, just like, um, you know, the recognition that I am not <laughs> my anger, you know, this is a feeling that is, I'm experiencing and where does that stem from? And, you know, examining that and, um, I, I think in art, the way that's influenced me most is, um, well, I, I really view art as like perspective and, um, yeah, somebody's, um, somebody's perspective, somebody's like decisions, right? Like. You're, you're making a decision about something about what you're showing or hiding. Right. Um, and the decisiveness that goes into that. Um, but I, I think just having an awareness of like a singular moment and sort of the power in that and, and like the wonder that um, I think it's very easy to lose, especially now when, um, you know, it's so easy to be like, checking the news and figuring out what's going on around the world and what your friends are doing and, you know, what you're going to have for dinner and all that stuff is important. You know, I don't want to like 
um, advocate for like asceticism necessarily. Um, <laughs> necessarily. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I'm trying not to like totally hedge myself, you know, but, uh, <laughs> but, um, you know, I, I think that's always so, so powerful in art is just like this, um, hyper awareness of the moment and like the, the beauty of things that are around you. And like, as time is going on, um, I, I really lean into like this almost slice of life sort of quality in art as being like, you know, as affecting as anything. Like, I think that's like extremely powerful um, and just showing people another way to live, you know, where you can be aware of your surroundings and, um, you know, you don't have to be so uh, caught up in like, you know, your specific feelings at any point, you know, like that it's, it's helped me a lot, just like uh, managing my own emotions and um, thoughts and, um, you know, just making me aware of things that are happening around me that I can then capture in writing or photography in a way that I think I probably wouldn't notice without um, that sort of mindfulness practice. Right. Yeah. Interesting. Um, I was, I sort of clicked onto this a bit because like you mentioned like, Oh, I wouldn't uh, be, I wouldn't describe myself as a bit of a hardcore Buddhist. And this is, I think <laughs> making it's, it's weird way around like what we talked about sort of off air about like what we want to do here. Um, yeah. there's this tweet from, was it, <laughs> I remember it coming from, how, let me, let me, let me think about how this <laughs> ended up finding its way onto here. Um, there's sort of a weird stigma about like, about white Buddhists, right? And is I, there? I think it's, I, yeah, there definitely is. Um, and I think it, it comes from, um, just sort of like the general ignorance of white people, like the idea that, you know, a white person might say, um, like, oh, I'm a Buddhist, but not really like do all the research or like, you know, know exactly what that entails or yeah. at least be the person to best advocate for that. Right. And so, you know, um, when I say like, I'm not a hardcore Buddhist, I would like to be, you know, like I think I'm moving in mm -hmm. that direction. I just mean that I'm not like, yeah. Mm, I think um, that's a... an expert of, yeah. I, I, I couldn't really run you through like, you know, you know, Mahayana Buddhism versus whatever, you know, like different schools of thought, right. but, um, you know, at the <laughs> risk of like getting there, right. Opening up an unfortunate kind of worms, which, it's gonna just get blown up somehow. Um, Let's do it. <laughs> I think there is a relative. <sighs> so, you talked about before, you like, hey, white people saying I am a, I am an X, and I, you know, and then they don't really know what they're kind of talking about, and I for sure feel like that's a. It certainly is a problem where like people appropriate like a certain like surface level idea about something and then end up going around claiming they're an expert and i think there's yeah. probably a decent amount of like scaling based on 
cultures of arrogance, I want to say, which is maybe a bit aligned with cultures of individuality, where cultures that believe strongly in sense of, like, individual rightness of opinion or whatever tend Mm. to become a bit more arrogant because they are assured that their their opinion which is very often conflated with i don't know and something that is larger than just an opinion as if it's in a fact or a way of being um is definitely Right. right and yes while you may hold whatever thought you'd like in your head that doesn't necessarily like enshrine the validity of that thought so i think that does for certain pop up in i don't even know if i want to like maybe a broader wide thing but also perhaps an american sphere or like people that are it's i feel like it's very tangled up though because i don't know if that like pure race or pure uh country-based analysis holds up very well because I often see that paralleled in other places where, like, you know, for example, everyone's favorite, you know, subgroup around are weebs, right? Like, everyone, (laughs) everyone's got met the contingent on at university or in their school or online or whatever, and they're literally everywhere in every country. But you know, you're gonna find someone who who parallels the American weeb almost one for one in india somewhere right like it's a similar thing of like people kind of getting into a thing and then like running with it and much like an expert or like the scale of becoming an expert where you're like you go from kind of knowing a little bit then you know like a decent amount and suddenly you think you know everything and then you you realize you're like less than 10 percent up the slope like then you hit then you realize how much more you know like you crest a little bit you're like oh shit this just goes on and on and on and then you like kind of regret like oh man one or two years after I discovered this, I was walking around like I knew everything, but oh my <laughs> God, like you're looking back on yourself. Yeah. And... You know, I mean, I think it, I think it's, it's like, um, like you said, of course, it's not like a broad distinction. You yeah. know, I, I just think, I think there's this is... obviously a long history of yeah. like white, white people like well, moving into spaces and then like asserting, you know, mm-hmm. like their, supremacy yeah. in them I you mean, know I, I absolutely agree i'm by no means like denying cultural appropriation happens by white people or any history of like empiricism or whatever or empiricism is not the right word imperialism should i say yeah um no of course not like there we can see example, example after example after example but i think it's often conflated with like right now sort of the bigger or maybe not bigger but like more well-known is like the current uh white based uh demographic like in the U- like for example for example like recent movements those were echoed like across the world even if it didn't match up how it was happening in other places in the world um and for example like the last sets of big empires have been the british and then a bunch of other smaller european ones and then sort of like the new version of like neo empire that that the us has so, like, yeah. obviously everyone's recent thoughts are about this, but, you know, I think there's, you see, like, lots of other cases. Uh, so I I always hazard to to sort of, like, dip into how, like, you know, we all hit white people on a stick with like, for something, and I totally get that. <laughs> like, that's, there's a lot of problems, and it's it's right now, I think a lot of 
it's definitely based on that. But, um, you know, I've just seen parallels in other places where basically the same thing is happening, but it's like relatively excused between, um, hell, I've even seen like things in, since obviously I was born and grew up in, well, in South Africa, but, you know, having a closer connection to the my neighboring African countries than someone else. I'll see someone in the US who might have had their great grandparents or even further back come from an African country and then sort of like sometimes are almost appropriate like surface level things from Africa yeah. and then throw them around with like in a very similar way I see other people like get into a culture and then think they know what they're talking about and do stuff mm. with it and it's like it feels like it's no like it's unapproachable to critique that because it sounds like you're critiquing it from like a racist perspective especially if you happen to not be the same color as the person who's doing that um yeah but it's like this seems like the exact same behavior but it's like harder to get to it because overtly it sounds as if you are taking issue with with them based on like a cultural or racial basis where it might just be like well i think the actions are you know the you know, classic like just you know uh well fuck this is even an, another kind of words like i was gonna say like switch out the race and see if it would sound the same but you know even saying that like it's not so easy to just switch out a race in something and then like yeah like that doesn't you know there's it's more than that or it's more intersectional than that but um, yeah i mean of course it's it's all a case-by-case thing i mean i i think it's really like two sets of things right and one is like the the cultural appropriation aspect you know um and I, I think something like yoga is a really good oh yeah example right yeah. like um yoga is super widespread in the west now basically as like a practice of stretching, right? Yeah. And that's all well and good, right? But I think it's pretty far removed from like um, someone in Southeast Asia's understanding yeah. of what yoga is and that practice, you know, or um, even in... Say so something like Tai Chi would also be very similar to this as well. Yeah, yeah. Or like, you know, meditation totally divorced from all of the like religious Buddhist aspects, you know, not that Buddhism is the only religion that does meditation, but, you know, you're, you're taking one specific part of this thing and asserting it as the whole or whatever, yeah. right? And so I think there's different um, levels to that. But I think this, the second part of it is is more about like an individual's diligence and intent, you know, like um, you, you talk about like weebs or whatever, uh, you know, how many Japanese people do you think start learning English because they <laughs> love Hollywood movies or yeah. Taylor Swift? Yeah. I'll tell you, it's a, it's a lot, you know, yeah. it's a lot like um, that sort of cultural interest. Right. Yeah. Um, and, and I think, even if you're somebody who, you know, like say you're like a Western American and you decide you want to learn Japanese because 
you want to play video games only, right? Mm. Like even for something as culturally narrow as that, the undertaking to actually learn Japanese or to, to learn another language is so high, right? Like to, to get to a level of proficiency, even just to like experience a video game in its fullest, we're talking about like five years of intense study, right? Mm. So like, um, I, I never studied Japanese um, at college, but um, I heard a lot of people, I've, I've heard like anecdotal stories that like, you know, the beginner level courses are like full of, of people like that. And then the advanced courses, there's nobody <laughs> who's that's like their main intent, right? Or if you've made it that far, you've like gotten a broader cultural appreciation at that point, you know? Mm -hmm. So it's like, um, you know, it's it's very easy for somebody to try try a lot of things on, you know, especially now. And like you can, you know, spend three dollars and download an app and start doing meditation. That doesn't make you a Buddhist, but if you you know decide you're interested in it and like go and do research on your own afterwards and, and you know make a conscious effort to try to engage with this broader culture um you know in there's still a fl flaws with that of course but i i think um it's a bit more understandable yeah i mean you know i don't think it's obviously pretty silly to to sort of like absolutely gatekeep cultural aspects and be like you're not allowed to touch this if, like obviously we're our, the whole reason we've flourished anywhere is because we trade ideas and share technology and dip in and out of stuff and yeah half of people's favorite meals are an adaption right. of something else blended with new ingredients because it's in a different place and um right. obviously we grow and flourish a lot there but um yeah it's a hard um it's a hard boundary to, to find out where like to like share something to yeah appropriation level. versus appreciation is such yeah. a thin line and but, i think it's it's like largely intent based yeah also just getting something there's like a level of of something spreading which for example like um like yoga right yeah it's hard to have something leave its niche area of origin and go out into the world and then completely maintain its integrity and of course that will never happen right like naturally for example hitting on buddhism again like as buddhism spread it went into different places and different schools happen right like zen would have only become zen after it got modified by right. japanese but through i think it's from them like or like preceding them it was like chinese thought on how things would happen like that would that now is like a very fundamental pillar but would not yeah. have happened if the religion hadn't gone out and mutated and changed but you know when you talk about other things yeah. it's, it's kind of hard to see that like like for example, if you see a yoga school down the road, how do you know that that yoga school is not a bunch of like white mums after work stretching and kind of doing some gossip while they're yeah. there? Like that's the intent of it versus right. the, like it's an authentic place versus something that is um, 
is superficially authentic, but actually right. lacks a heart. If you're a new learner, it's very difficult to see if small town, whatever store is like true in its beliefs, especially if someone has spent it, like the instructor looks like they've spent some time around it. Like you can't discern how yeah. real that is. And like, that's a very difficult uh, challenge to to try to understand as, as yeah, someone who that's, has access. That, <laughs> that's one of the things that's sort of nice about Buddhism is that in a lot of schools of thought, there's like a heavy emphasis placed on lineage. So if you're doing research on like a specific um, like temple nearby, a lot of times like on their website or whatever, they'll, they'll have a list where it's just like a, a family tree basically where it's like, you know, the person running this temple was trained under this person who was trained under the, this person in this school, right? Mm -hmm. And you can like trace it all the way back to Dongen in, in Japan, right? Um, so, I mean, like that's really helpful, but um, yeah, that, that concept is really interesting to me. There's, um, uh, there's a YouTuber who, who talks about uh, language acquisition and specifically Japanese. Um, and one of the things he's talked about before is like, um, if you're somebody who has, um, I, I guess regardless of whatever level of acquisition you have of a language or whatever level of ability, people who have a higher level ability, um, it's very easy just to assume that they're fluent, right? That they, they're perfect, right? Because mm. you just don't know what, what they do wrong. Um, but then, you know, as you yourself learn more, you can start picking out other, other people's errors or your own flaws or things like that, you know, but, you know, like you said, when you're just getting into something, um, it, it's really, really difficult to just to figure out, you know, does this person actually know what they're talking about? You know, is this like a, a good source to learn from? Yeah. Um, you know, and it, in a way it's, it's like one of the like curses of the internet is that, you know, there's such a huge variety of sources available, um, for you to learn basically anything from, um, but almost because there's so many sources, you know, determining the efficacy or the, you know, knowledge level of the, you know, sources available is like its own challenge, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. Uh, obviously, something that's very culturally appropriate right now is sifting through that information and I wouldn't even say misinformation like for sure there's misinformation but maybe just unintentional yeah uh, misleads and yeah that's obviously a pretty tricky thing to navigate and especially in cases of like um yeah I, I haven't studied Buddhism through a school or anything like that so it's hard to speak on this but uh, I can imagine because of people's belief in the system. I, I've had this with um, doing some martial arts, though, where everyone, no matter the size of their school, is sort of like convinced about the 
Okay, I don't want to Superiority. say Superiority. Like, yeah, like, they, they'll tell yeah. you why that style, you know, outdoes something else or right. has a better answer to that. And even within, like, one version of it, you've got these different branches and, like, different branches have some sort of, like, political disagreement with another branch, but that's why they're branched off. And, right. um, you know, you're just sitting there and you're like, I don't... Like, everyone seems very sure that this is the case or like what you must not do and it's like okay but must i not do this action like this because it's like a there's a really true reason for that as in like i'm shifting my weight incorrectly and i'm actually exposing weakness i was like am i not supposed to do this because of like that's Some the way it has been political. taught or like yeah. yeah it's a different no our style always does this their style does that for another like heathens and right um, you know no no one comes off like that they're just come off as like you know no one wants to sort of also overtly claim their superiority but it, it's right. hard to know um what like how much is true from the person who's professing it's true to right. you um which is a very obvious lesson kids uh <laughs> <laughs> question <him. laughs> No, I, you know, I, I think it's totally true, you know, and, and like being able to you like punch above your weight like that and, and parse out what's, you know, what's right and what's wrong, or at least figure out like why somebody is saying something is like its own skill and hugely important in its own right. Yeah. Yeah. On the sort of um, vein of, of religion and, and, such <laughs> as our sort of initial context for this was is uh not so long back i finished watching neon genesis evangelion after a, a long time of you know kind of waiting to get around it and i haven't watched anything more than literally the mainline series i didn't watch the alternate endings of like here's ending whatever and it's not just the you know well not to spoil anything, but like, you know, there's these extra endings or extra movies and there's a new one. So I've just watched the mainline stuff, but I had this thing that I put in my drafts. I think it was probably around like episode 20, 21, 22, something like that. Like it was near the end, Wait. but like, it, yeah. yeah, it hadn't climaxed out yet. <laughs> I think so. Like, uh, it, they were still in like the process of, there were still like more angels to go. And mm. I had the tweet. You watched Evangelion and sought to kill God. I watched Evangelion and found his love for me. We are not the same. <laughs> and I'm not exactly entirely sure what I was hitting on at this point. It felt very true when I wrote it. And I didn't send it for whatever reason. Um, and then I, I, it just sort of chilled in my drafts for a long time. And when I think on it, I think of your infamous bio, which has also been hanging around for a long time. Which I think of every time <laughs> I think of you, it, which uh, is like, I should probably articulate the philosophy underlying my actions. It's pretty simple. Drink coffee, kill God, fight death, go beyond. <laughs> uh, and so I think of like this, you know, killing God. Um, and yeah. at some point there was a cone like a buddhist cone as well about meeting buddha in the road and then killing him 
and these thoughts have been like circling around my head about what we all mean by these things that we are stating on the internet um and whether whether maybe like the expression of attacking god like what is that signaling and who is it signaling it to is it is it just the atheist equivalent of like praise be or thank mm. god for like what what do people mean when we say these types of things and where are we going with this line of thought yeah um you know for me i i can't help but think back to like um nietzsche you know god is dead and we have killed him you know like this is not a, a new thought at all right this is this goes back you know a long time right and so um also not like an existential philosopher by any means but uh, my understanding is that basically hit what he was saying is that um we are past the point where we turn to religion for um you know to assert the way to live our lives right um you know if you go far enough back um a ton was just determined for you based on you know um the local religious customs right and that was all you had to go off of right um so you know for me um it's not like i think that there's like no spirituality in the world or anything like that you know um it's it's sort of an extension of that in in that um of nietzsche's thought and just that um you know the idea that we have to take control of our own lives and you know you are the only person who can um dictate what it is you need to do or not do or you know how you need to go about the act of living right um and that that's also what i mean by you know fight death is just like you're um that's what we're doing right now you know like any any time the opposite of that is like to do life right like to live life you know and um of course it's not like there's nobody you can turn to for like guidance but at the end of the day you know you are responsible for your own beliefs and your own thoughts and your own actions and the way those manifest in the world and so um you know obviously i framed it in this like very um you know meme sort of like jokey way but um i am earnest about it you know this this is like a an undergirding philosophy for me it's just you know um very strong on individualism and um finding your own path in the world you know mm. 
when you say like the 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 flip side of fight death is live life but fighting death is what we're doing now yeah or as in we're touching two sides of the same coin at once or that we're engaging with different like there's different we are not living life we're kind of, like what are we what are you hitting on here um no that you just to you know to rephrase you know fight death you know it's it's like you know that's what living is to me is like okay. every single day you you wake up and you decide to do something you know you're not just like giving yeah you're not just giving up you're not um, you're being active an active participant in your life even if that means you sit on the couch all day like that is living you know mm -hmm. like you are you are you know doing the action of life right and like whatever you do to preserve that I think is like worth doing right and whatever that means to you I think it's worth doing yeah hmm. but, but you know there, there's also a complacency in that right um like you you it's very easy to get caught in your own cycles right especially now I feel this and so um <laughs> That's like the final component, you know, it's like, um, go beyond, push yourself, like do so something new, you know, like right. engage with your surroundings in a way that you have not before, you know, right. Take a different path home. You know, I mean, I, I, I don't want to, these all sound big and grand. Right. And I, I love that interpretation. I think that, you know, should be embraced fully, but you know, it's not only that, right? There's a small scale um, way to practice this that I think is important too, you know? And um, I, I had one friend at one point uh, suggest, or say that when they're uh, kind of bored with something, they'll draw out a map of their neighborhood or of like an area, right? Think about how many times you walk to the grocery store or to a coffee shop or something and take the exact same path, right? Just go one block out of your way, right? Yeah. Or like, you know, just approach even the simplistic daily acts in a new route, you know? Like how often are you gonna cook the same meals and talk to the same people and, you know, engage in the same habits? like? even just a slight change can lead to a heightened appreciation of life for me um, in a way that I think is really profound um, despite being so simplistic. Right. I mean, I, I try to do this quite often. I um, absolutely the type of person which will try get to the same location by as many different possible right. roads as I can find. And since I lived alone for about half a decade now, it's sort of, it just became sort of a natural aspect. I'm like, yeah, I, I just walk around and pick different random streets and, and take them to like get where I want to go and kind of right. navigate by soul. And, and then my dad moved here as well. And so sometimes I go do stuff with him and 
I notice the the sort of set way of like, oh, are we gonna go through this road? I'm like, but we could just take it up, you know, we can take a left here. And there's that like moment of, but why are we taking it up? And I get that that's the, the probably the usual response, but I'd almost forgotten that that was response because before I, I came here, I was just living with my parents. And so we didn't really, I didn't really engage mm. with this. So when I got to sort of do it myself, there was never any hurdle to it. Like I could, I could just right. immediately go and like, drift my way over to wherever i decided i was going and whether i took an extra 10 15 20 minutes maybe more to get to a location or just like oh i'm going to the shop but i'm gonna sit on a bench for an hour before i walk into the shop and then i'll right right like i'm just a guy like there's a reason flaneur is in my bio as initially Initially, it was a bit of a joke that I would, that I added it there. I was like, yeah, yeah I kind of go around a bit, but it felt, I'm like, do I actually put this in my bio <laughs> with the other, like, things that I would describe myself as? as like a, a writer, a designer, a developer, which is probably the only things I could substantially point to and say, like, here, I've done the thing. And now it's it sits up there with the rest of them, and I'm like, not a chance I would take that out. Like, I no. almost added to everything because I'm like, I literally will spend two three four five six hours almost every second day of the week drifting yeah. about sitting in yeah. random places poking around walking around different streets you know like that is pretty fundamental to how i go about living is is just just almost i like to describe it as as uh Actually, I don't like to describe it like this. I feel like this is the, <laughs> the only way I can kind of touch on it, and I, I don't yet have the perfect verbiage for it, and I would like to find it, but I probably need to sit down and, and try to think on it. But the closest I can get to is like being in communion with something, but a distinct, almost singular entity and that entity is the city, right? And right. it feels, it almost feels like it extends up above me and I am both with it and inside it. And yeah. um, and I, I am like, yeah, sure. The city is just buildings and it's made up of like the people who live there, but I'm sometimes walking past those people, not seeing them feeling as if i am talking or like that there is a bridge of understanding between me and like the space that i right the city i am in and as i am telling you this i am realizing it parallels a lot of the previous feelings i would have when i th think about talking to god when i was still a christian and it also felt like this this cylindrical pillar or channel that was opened from my chest and then extended upwards into somewhere and that there that was this channel of communication that somewhere on the other side something intelligent enough understood what i was trying to communicate mm. like inside but with words or with just a nebulous feeling and knew that and like tacitly and quietly agreed um and was like just the best listening partner right and yeah i realized like that was that was what 
kept me in um, being religious for as long as I was. And right. now, as I started like making more and more excuses for other more more concrete rules and and situations in the Bible, but I realized like that's a very similar feeling that I feel when I'm like in communion with the city and um, walking around. And I feel yeah. like there is this larger thing which accepts me regardless of how fucking weird I look because I just threw on whatever random clothes <laughs> happened to be clean and, you know, went outside and, and just like balancing on people's front walls and picking lavender and whatever. Um, so, yeah, maybe that's an interesting parallel. Yeah, totally. Um, I was going to point to your, uh, your self designation as Flanur, you know, as, as like, um, a great example of this, you know, and just like the, the way that allows you to engage with your environment, I think is really powerful, you know, um, I feel this, especially for like, um, like, you know, urban Americans where so much is set up um, even in the city to drive, you know, and like, that's just such a disconnected way to engage with your environment, you know? Mm -hmm. uh, but it, there's just people who, it's just like the, the default that's accepted at this point is like, well, I got to drive to work and I got to drive to the grocery store and I'm going to drive to this restaurant or whatever. And like, you know, just walk one of those places or like ride your bike to work. Right. And like that um, alone is like a, a way um, more powerful connection with your environment and just a more mindful way to be, I think, you know, mm -hmm. um, listening to you talk about like your connection to religion, like, um, you know, I, I too was like raised Christian, um, very loosely, like through a non-denominational, um, Christian church. And, you know, my whole family has always been like, um, sort of agnostic, you know, but, um, I still ended up going to, uh, church fairly often and especially to a youth group when I was in middle school, um, and that was so non-religious, but, um, the thing I really liked about that was, um, the environment it cultivated and just like the, um, you know, it basically was like a group of middle schoolers and, um, like a youth pastor. And, uh, we all like, um, like hung out and talked and like engaged with one another and like almost never did anything religious or like, you know, we weren't like reading Bible passages, right? This is like a very agnostic yeah. um, group, but like that environment um, and the connection I thought was like really, really valuable and something to be sought out, you know, and um, it, it sounds sort of similar to your experience of like the city around you. And I certainly feel the same way as, you know, especially when I'm like 
wandering around taking photos like I often do, you know, just this kind of um, spontaneous connection you can have with people. Um, it's so important to me and, and it's something I, I strive for all the time. I love, um, it's, you know, I take a lot of street photography and it's always really important to me not to like, um, I see a lot of like street photography tips on YouTube or whatever, or, uh, you know, online that are like, try to conceal everything you're doing. And that's like the exact opposite of what I want to convey to people. You know, I'm very open about what I'm doing. You know, like I'm walking around, I'm taking photos, you know, but um, it's really powerful to me. And some of my favorite photos and especially some of my favorite moments while doing that have come from like walking around, taking a candid photo of somebody and then, you know, having a genuine interaction with them afterwards. You know, like I, I don't want to, um, being able to capture the moment while it's candid, you know, I, I'm almost never like talking to somebody before I take their photo. Um, yeah. I think that's an entirely separate thing. Um, but, you know, just being able to have a connection with somebody completely random who you would, you know, not engage with otherwise, I think is really a valuable thing. Yeah. Um, and a great way to engage with your environment. Yeah. I want to touch on this later for a second i want to um jump back a bit to to talking about walking and i saw this reddit thread the other day which talked a lot about it was actually pretty much the same concept which is talking about uh walking in america and places not designed for it like like we all know it's designed around the car i have hopped on yeah. this point enough in a, in a bunch of places but um and I know that's true, but obviously I don't have any practical experience of what it's like, but there were some people who I guess had moved to America or visited for a while who were talking about what it's like really like. And, you know, you said, why don't you just try walk to the shop or whatever? And I'm like, yeah, why don't you just try walk? I walk to, to places all the time. But a lot of the posts I was reading, and of course this is just all anecdotal, but they were like, it's... I would like these are often people from uh, you know not the US who are moving to the US and um, mm. they're like yeah my initial plan was to go walk to that thing and then I realized like that's impossible there's a giant highway in which like 18 wheeled trucks go whizzing down it um, like how am I and there's no pavement to walk on right like it's just the right. road and then shops on the other side or someone was talking about this intersection of like there was a there was a shop on one side and some sort of other shop on the other side and it's just a couple lane intersection and he was like okay well we can just pop across the road and pop into the store there they're like yeah well, we yeah can, we should drive and he's like yeah but we can just walk across the road and then he was looking at the intersection he's like actually how would i walk across the road like there right. is no way to walk across it and furthermore it's unlikely that pretty much anyone here has considered walking across it because it's that's just out of the realm of like normal behavior i mean yeah. maybe in other cities where you've got like a specified downtown i don't know i've seen pictures of what happens on new york streets and i see a lot of people walking on pavement so maybe i'm you know maybe it happens places there but 
I don't know what it's like for every city. Uh, yeah. It's just like, it, it's sort of impossible to even try make that walk happen. Um, yeah, you know, I mean, I think about it almost the same way I think about like video games. <laughs> this is a weird metaphor, but but um, you know, you can only interact with something in the vocabulary you're given, right? Mm. And like, I think that's you know, in video games, you get that you a lot. You draw right? a smiley like, face on the wall when you <laughs> communicate to your friend. Right, right. You know, yeah. I mean, it's like okay, you your video game has like four buttons dedicated to how to shoot a gun, right? But, you know, those are, so those are the sorts of interactions that your game is gonna have, right? And I, I think that's like just a design principle at large. And mm -hmm. so um, in, I don't know anything about city planning, right? But- uh, um, That's never stopped me before. It, it, right. If you don't give somebody if you're, you know, your, if your only option is to drive, that's the way people are going to engage with it, you know, and like, um, Chicago specifically is like a half bikeable city. There's almost never protected bike lanes, but there are a good number of like, um, like secondary bike lanes. Um, they're just not segregated from the, the road, but you know, there's, there's been a handful of times where I've been downtown um the way the city is you know is set up there's like the lake all the way to the east right and then there's like a big highway that runs up alongside the lake right on the coast um called lakeshore drive and then there's like the city there and so um there's like paths underneath lakeshore drive to get to the lakefront at like given um, streets, you know, every couple of blocks over. Um, and there's been a handful of times I've been downtown, like taking photos or just wandering around or something. And I'll have some tourists come up to me and say, how do we get to the beach from here? And it's like, you know, you're looking at the beach, right? You're 50 feet away from it, but to actually get there, you have to go like two blocks over and under and then back around. Right. Mm -hmm. And so it's, it's not like it's inaccessible to you. Like there is a way to do it, but it's certainly not like easy. Um, and it's certainly not like straightforward, you know? And and um, I think those sorts of interactions are, are widespread across America, especially. Um, but now it's just like a cultural thing that's totally subsumed um, into like our mindset, you know, Americans want the quote unquote autonomy to have a car. Like you can, mm -hmm. you can go anywhere. Right. And now America's a really, walk. really right. rain versus right. Just, yeah. It's like, I, I mean, know. I, I can't tell you how often I've been out with somebody and like suggested walking somewhere and, um, the people I'm with will like balk at it be like, are you kidding? You know, like it's 10 blocks or, you know, like that's like one mile. I think we yeah. can manage it, you know? Yeah. Right. Like, um, but you know, we're, we're just not used to it, you yeah. know? And, and there are a lot of places where it's like, you got to go out of your way and, and whatever, you know, but, um, 
just finding a, a better way to engage with your environment, I think is really, really important. Yeah. Have you, uh, have you heard of, um, derivé or something like that? I don't know. It's French. Um, mm, I don't think so. It's this concept, um, which was, who put Guy de Board, something like that. Guy, I guess if he's French as well. Um, he, um, it's it kind of like going on a flanery as a flaneur, but it's mm. it's more, it seems kind of like quasi-spiritual, but it's also wrapped up in a bunch of other stuff, uh, yeah. political movements as well. But it's sort of this like wonder, also like a bit of an unplanned journey, um, where what what I from as as far as I can imagine it, because I've never done it. It's like I guess you have this group of people who end up walking around and then sort of drifting wherever they decide to be, and I do that when I'm walking, like. When yeah. I find a, a crossroads, I it's purely like, what does my heart tug at? Like, oh, this way, cool, totally. and I I go down that path. I don't know what we're where we're going to, but it's just a like on the fly decision. And I think yeah. this is supposed to be more of a group activity, so it's kind of like maybe a bit of a collective feeling. But you know, unlike a tourist group, where everyone's like, oh, should we go left? Should we right? Oh, oh maybe we can see the middle. Um, <laughs> It's kind of just like this bit of a spiritual space of like drifting and everyone gets to that like same level of awareness where you kind of like almost engage in flock-like behavior and just sort of drift around the city. Um, And it has these... uh, There's this other domain of called like psychogeography um i know this guy on twitter the psychogeographer who posts some really cool stuff very often um mm. and tell me that yeah I, I think it's like at the psychogeographer it'll be in the show notes somewhere um and show notes. <laughs> and uh yeah yeah so like they, they basically like study the city it seems similar to what i was talking about with like being in communion with them um, with the city through and like the, the psychology and, that it right based on the design and also yeah. uh like it's part of this thing called like the situationist international where they create situations i uh i i, I don't really know exactly what goes into a situation i know they define it <laughs> as quote the concrete construction of a momentary ambiance of life and their information into a superior passional quality, which means maybe a lot and maybe very little at the same time. I love that. Yeah. So I mean, I don't. I would like to probably dip into this more, but I'm aware of it, like sort of in the back of my mind, since it's sort of kind of related to being a flaneur. But uh, I, I think it would be fucking fun to just find a bunch of people and go do this and also you know maybe engage with it a bit kind of like what we sort of started on about like um yoga and like rather than just the action of walk around pick direction like what is the underlying moment that we're we're doing here like okay what is situationism and what is the situation that we are trying to create what do you mean like what's the core thing here and 
Um, it definitely seems to be touching a lot of the ideas I think we're touching on. Yeah. Have you done any walking meditation? Uh, Specifically? Well, okay. So, meditation as... How do you engage with it? Yeah, right. Actually, I was listening well, to... Not well? Well, I'll, I'll get onto that. So, <laughs> I was listening to Eigen Robot and... I always want to say Eigen Robot because Eigen is like <laughs> a, a word in Dutch and Afrikaans, but I'm assuming it's just Eigen. Um, on his podcast with... Was it Dan listens to? I don't remember who the guest was. I'll link that as well. But uh, they were also discussing Buddhism and... Ooh. I think I can start it off with kind of what I wanted to go off with, but I, I also know where this was going when I heard it. Um, I find myself... Fuck, I have a tweet for this, actually. Let me go reference you myself always, some. You always got one. <laughs> I always got one, dude. Um, so, well, let me find where I put this. Oh, I, I started a new thread for this specifically. So... It's, yeah. it's funny too that you mentioned um, how you like drift through the city and, and this description of drifting through the city because that's like exactly how I engage with street photography. You know, oh, like lovely. Um, I just like um, I'll usually have like a starting place, like wherever I bike down to or you know um, end up, and it's almost entirely random. Mm -hmm. Actually, my girlfriend gets frustrated walking with me <laughs> all, almost anywhere because um i will just like beeline across the street like in the middle you know <laughs> uh, i'll just i just move totally sporadically without any rhyme or reason you know it's i'm totally just like like a dog i'll just like follow wherever i feel like going you know? yeah um, yeah no i, I relate to that entirely uh Here's another thing I, I put out, like, the, the reason I'm quoting these things is not for my own, like, vindic vindication or my own aggrandizement. It's purely because, like, I've had this thought and I've tried to condense it succinctly before, and yeah. the tweet is the result of that. But uh, right. it was like, hey, sorry, babe, we can't hold hands because I have to stop walking every three minutes to take a series of pictures of some unimpressive composition of mundane infrastructure greebling. Yeah, but right, like I can't. It's very difficult to walk with someone because I'm like, oh, I gotta go up here. Oh, I gotta climb on this thing. Oh, I gotta jump on the rock. Oh, I gotta go back. Wait, yeah. this street, and you know, sometimes I need to go buy bread or something, <laughs> and, and so I'm like darting around a bit like a dog as well. Yeah. Um. All right. Not to read off more of my tweets, but what I was saying before about meditation and. and religion and um, walking meditation so two or three days ago on the 8th uh i was like okay my religion yeah it's kneeling under electricity pylons it's sitting with your body facing the sun rolling salt mm. around the palm of your hand holding back tears spooning coffee into brewing vessels filling your heart feeling your heart pull out of your chest when you face the stars it's saying bar to sheep that you pass it's speaking to the cats like they're wandering scholars. It's standing upright in the rain. It's watching slugs migrate in awe like mighty trains and wishing them well for it. So, yeah, this perfect. is... But, the caveat to but, this 
is that <laughs> maybe this is more of a spiritual thing than meditation. Because what I find myself doing is very often reflecting on the moment, reflecting on the space, letting my thoughts progress and get but i get further into them as they compound and swirl and change colors and um create this heady mix of whatever i am pondering on and yeah. i find that beautiful and engaging and i think this is what eigen was heading towards as well and what his guest went on to which i already knew where it was going to go is that like meditation is not about getting deeper into your thoughts but reaching a place without your thoughts right like you sit and you use certain things to clear out your mind to let thoughts go to let them drift away not to ponder on that thing reaching a state of emptiness and pure engagement with the present moment mm -hmm. and from what i've heard of people who our practitioners of meditation they repeat this pretty often and it seems like the common misconception is to just do what we are doing which is to get further into our thoughts on the time and i think these are both valuable but maybe a good split is when you're like what i'm talking about like getting into your thoughts and and that spiritual aspect is more like praying and clearing your mind is more what meditation is supposed to achieve. So I feel like I am praying while walking, but I do not feel like I am meditating. From what I've heard, meditation practitioners say meditation is supposed to be. Yeah, I mean, I don't know who this guest is. I'm, I'm sure they know more about meditation and Buddhism than me, but I find this to be sort of a common misconception about meditation. The idea that the goal is to like clear your thoughts or block your thoughts. I, I don't feel that that's like an accurate representation of um, how I experience meditation or how meditation has been instructed upon me. Um, you know, if you if you read like um, like Zen instruction on meditation, is that a Zen practitioner will tell you just sit, that's it. You know, like there is nothing further and anything that happens after that is sort of its own, you know, success, right? Like, um, just sit, it might be painful. Like it might, you know, you might be thinking too much, like just keep sitting. Right. Um, so in that sense, I, it's sort of like an, anything goes and you will get to the same point eventually. Right. But, um, to me, meditation, like seated meditation, is largely about um, just reaching a state of awareness as to the nature and um, the nature of your thoughts and where they're arising from, rather than like specifically trying to clear them out or something. Um, you know, in a lot of like beginner okay. meditation, is that, you sorry. focus. Yeah. Is, no, that, go ahead. is that two different things though? That like, uh, or three things, clearing your thoughts, thing one, mm. getting deep into what those thoughts are, thing two, and then finding the point 
where they are arising from, which is thing three, which I think like finding the origin of your thoughts is different from getting deep into what that thought is because you just go off on that chain and you don't look from where it came from, right? Like that seems like a bit of a distinct thing. Sure. I, I think the, there are different methods, certainly, but I think the point is that they are different means to eventually reach the same location or engage with the same practice or concept, right? And so, um, you know, in beginner meditation, one of the things they often teach is like, um, counting your breath, right? And, and letting an awareness of your breath. And like, um, if a thought arises to you, like just let it pass and return to your breath and having some sort of grounding element that you can keep coming back to. And eventually over time, as you're able to do this longer and longer and maintain focus on a, a more narrow sphere, um, it becomes easier, right? Um, and so Zen is sort of, I, I think they're sort of intentionally being obtuse or obstinate here, right? They're trying, it, it's meant to be difficult, you know, it's not, um, they don't want to give you like necessarily the best instruction to do it. You know, you, you got to sort of prove your diligence, um, by going the hard way. Right. Um, and I think that's what like just sit is sort of about, right? Although, um, if you are using so, so yeah, I, I think there's a, a difference between like um, a thought occurs to you and you just like follow that chain, like oh, and what happens, blah blah blah, right? Like, sure, that's different than if you are just like, this is something I'm thinking. I don't need this right now. I'm just gonna let it pass and you know consider you know, the feeling of the sun on my arm or something like that. Like those are two different things, but I think the intent is that eventually, even if you were just to sit for an hour and think your heart out, you know, you will probably eventually get to the same place as if you are like, you know, letting thoughts arise and pass and letting emotions arise and pass. Um, yeah, you know, and there are meditation techniques that are like, um, you're feeling anxious. Well, what's the source of this anxiousness? How does it manifest in you? And like a, a very intentional self-inquiry, you know, like um, I think there's a lot of different methods to express this. I just wanted to say that, you know, I think this idea that you're like, I'm blocking all my thoughts. I'm not going to think until I realize the self is a construct. A yeah, construct. I mean, yeah. I was not, I, see, I was also also kind of going for not just blocking thoughts, but letting them pass, right? Like, right. That seems to be what you're hitting on. But yeah, you know, it's weird. I've heard people say, oh, this is a misconception from ponder on them. And now you're like, this is a misconception from uh, let, for letting them go. And yeah, also, you know, if people you know, are different using, schools hey, of thought, though, yeah, right? Yeah. Like, let you your know, breath like anchor you. How would you yeah. both get... For example, if there was someone sitting and pondering and the other person was sitting and letting their thoughts pass, you've posited that they would both reach the same place. Um, yeah, I mean, like, Zen, Zen Buddhism um, 
it's like largely about like, um, not largely about, I don't want to claim any sort of knowledge here, but there's a lot of stories in Zen Buddhism about like a shock into enlightenment, into awareness, you know, that's like the purpose of a, of a cone, right? right? It's like something absurdist to like smack you awake basically, right? Um, all these things are trying to provoke um, something in you, uh, provoke an awareness, you know, that eventually comes, you know, like one of the, the last points of awareness is like the realization of no self, right? That mm. I am not a construct, right? Not only am I not angry, right? I am experiencing anger, but there is no I, right? I am nothing. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like there, there is no border between me and the world that I'm experiencing, right? It's like a one continuous cycle. And um, having an awareness of that, like a logical awareness is, is very different from like the deep um, awareness that provokes enlightenment, right? But you're you're just trying to hit along these different steps. And it, I don't necessarily know what the most efficient path is, but, um, <laughs> you know, seeking out the efficiency, I, I think is like, uh, sort of, sort of contrary to the yeah. very aim. Right. <laughs> yeah. 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 I, I saw something, but I don't think you're doing it wrong. Is <laughs> what I want to say, okay, sure. you know, like there, there's no wrong way to do it. Yeah. I just um, don't know if I'm getting to a, like, I, I don't know what progress I'm making. Like sh I definitely feel like, I, again, this, this is a very important thing for me. I do it a lot. I certainly enjoy what happens with it, but I don't know if like, am I making the same sort of journey? Am I reaching a certain, I don't know. I, it's, it seems I, like a different. I really like to recommend. Yeah. Um, I'd really like to recommend the book, The Mind Illuminated um, by Kuladasa, I think, um, which is like a step-by-step -step guide, basically, where it's like, um, okay, you're meditating. And at this point, you should be feeling, you know, this level of awareness and you'll reach the next sort of stage once you are able to, you know, focus on this specific idea or whatever, like it, it provides a really practical sort of um, guide through, uh, you know, a set of assurances that like, yes, you are doing this correct and this is how you should be feeling. And these are the things that you should be practicing at this point, you know, right. um, that I think that a lot of people um, feel like they're missing and they're like, you know, Am I, am I stuck? Am I just doing the same thing again and again? You know? Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. And one of the things he recommends is, is a combination of sitting meditation and walking meditation, which is very common in a lot of different Buddhist um, schools. It's just like doing, doing both, you know, um, and in walking meditation, you know, like you, you slow down to the point where you're, you know, you gain an awareness of like 
how your legs feel and the muscles in your legs and the feeling of you know the ground beneath you and the wind blowing past you and the sun on your face and like you know just becoming aware of like all the little things happening around you um, rather than like your breath or you know the rise and fall of your chest or your heartbeat or you know the weight of yourself on the ground or something like that yeah yeah this yeah maybe i should read this more before speaking because i will probably just touch <laughs> the same point um and that point which maybe this is the last time we should touch on it is just like let's say i'm i'm walking and there is thoughts about a project i want to work on or maybe what i want to do with some writing or whatever or something that happened in the day yeah. uh these are very tangible things versus hey, I am just exclusively like feeling my guts push down as my lungs expand and take in air. I'm sipping oxygen from this giant bath of, of atmosphere above us and um, feeling the sun heat different parts of my body. Like That's certainly something I do do sometimes, but I don't think it's yeah. what I'm... Like often I'm walking and feeling ideas roll around but i'm intentionally trying to like follow strands come to a bit of a creative spurt whatever and yeah i'm not really thinking like maybe not it's almost that walking is almost a wall like I, i'm not thinking about my legs i'm not thinking about whatever like it's a purposefully creative space where i can sort of daydream and like imagine projects floating around in my head and what i want to do with them um and walking is just a mechanism of like opening up that sort of visual space that I can like play around with with possibilities. Um, and yeah. sometimes the world outside is a little bit of a blur. Even like I'm looking at things and it's there, but it's like it's like how I use music very often is some sort of music is going to create a particularly emotional resonance in me and the music becomes a wall to the outside world. Like I'm not always just focused on like what the band members are doing, what instruments are playing. Like if I'm there to listen to the album, that's what I do. But often I put it on so that I can create this like wall around me and then daydream inside that bubble. And that's just a method of like detachment. And I, mm. I feel like that's different too than like soaking up because almost the whole album can go by and I didn't hear a thing. But that was kind of the purpose. I didn't want to think about the album. I wanted to think about my own thoughts and the album provided right. that. So I feel like those are two different kind of goals. Maybe they're intertwined. Yeah, no, way. no. I I think probably they are, you know. it. Um, um, creating a, an environment that feels uh, fruitful for you creatively, I think, is different from you know, engaging as much as possible with the present moment. Right. However, um, you know, I want to say that like what's valuable to me is not what's valuable to you or to everybody, obviously. And like, it's far from it that like um, meditation is like the only way or the most important way or anything like that, you know, and, and um, that, you know, your tweet about standing up in the rain, I like, um that sort of environmental awareness and like um spiritual connection that feels very familiar to me even through like different methods you know and like 
Um, I don't use meditation to like brainstorm stories or anything like that. You know, I, I do other things to do that, but um, you know, that sort of spiritual awareness that you have cultivated uh, seems very familiar to me um, and something to strive for however you reach it. Yeah, no, I agree on that. Uh, that also feels like a pretty good place to sort of wind down on. We've already gone for like an hour <laughs> 20, unless you want to in particularly touch on anything else. I have some no, points I've, I've written down about that. one or two things that we could definitely probably touch on. Um, but we could also just leave them behind and touch on them sometime in the future. Yeah. Um, no, I feel good about it. Um, yeah. Yeah. Right. Uh, you know, always down for round two. Yeah. Pleasure <laughs> to have you on. If you ever want to espouse some nonsense or whatever, like that's, that's, the that's all I've got to do. So, hell yeah. <laughs> that's all I have available. So. Add, that to, add that to the bio tweet. Um, yeah, dude, it's been a pleasure and hopefully yeah. catch you around sometime in the future. I'm not an expert. <laughs> <laughs> Everything we said literally <laughs> throw it away. <laughs> it was food for thought. It was a cone. It was nothing more. <laughs> yeah. Consider it and let it go. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Cheers, man. All right. This has been great. See ya. Bye.